Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, it's Friday. Hope you had a great week. Hope your Friday's going really well. Hope your weekend is everything you dreamed it could be. I'm just full of sunshine. I'm so happy. It's 3 o'clock on Friday. <laughs> been a great day around here it's been a really good week and we've got a lot of stuff on the show today uh let's get it rolling this is the three at three on wisconsin's afternoon news what's first the biggest news from last night to this morning continues former president donald trump will be in court tuesday in miami as he faces his second indictment he will be. So this is incredibly big news. No matter where you are in the political spectrum, this is a big deal. President Trump and one of his associates have been charged. The first time a former president has faced federal charges, 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information. The indictment details various locations where Trump allegedly stored classified documents at Mar-a-Lago in Florida. He stored them, according to prosecutors, in a ballroom. He stored them in a bathroom. He stored them in an office space, in a bedroom, in a storage room. He stored them in a shower. Trump is expected to appear in a Miami federal courthouse on Tuesday. He's also going off on the prosecutor, calling him a Trump hater and saying he hates America. We will get you some perspective on this as we head through the afternoon. We, of course, have the resources of ABC News throughout the next three hours. And Brad Garrett, FBI Former FBI agent will be with us coming up at 345, U.S. Congressman Mike Gallagher at 315. All right, what's next? The Wisconsin women's hockey team learned a valuable lesson this week in email management. Always check your spam folder if you're expecting an email from the White House. Yeah, so this is basically how this played out. So the University of Wisconsin women's hockey team wins the NCAA title. They win that back in March. And what happens is the White House, with the NCAA, they kind of work together on this, send invitations to the schools to say, hey, come to the White House. The president wants to meet you and we want to celebrate you. Well, apparently, an email was sent to UW to two two UW athletic staff members at the end of May with a form saying, fill this out. We'd love to have you at the White House. It was never filled out. And UW accidentally found out that... uh, How come you never filled out the form and are you coming? They reached out to the White House, who said, we understand. And at the last minute, they said, we can still accommodate you. So now the students are all scattered because it's the offseason. But UW is paying for players to fly to Washington to be feted at the White House because uh, they deserve it. All caught up in a spam folder. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of a weird story. (laughs) All right, what's next? It happens to all of us. Yeah, it does, for sure. Oh, I like this. You know I like my music. You know this song. There we go. Yes. Milwaukee music legends of Violent Femmes are about to kick off their 40th anniversary. A special October performance with the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra just announced. This is cool. They're going to play their debut album in its entirety with the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra on October 3rd at the Bradley Symphony Center. The punky band, of course, uh, born here in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. This is cool. It, and that makes me happy. That's such great music. I say this, especially this first album, song for song for song, it, it's going to feel good. And kicking off in just grand style, and how special for this band to come all this way. Tickets on sale today. So if you're interested in this, October 3rd at the Bradley Symphony Center with the MSO, tickets are on sale. 
This is going to be so much fun. History 13 at WTMJ. Up next, U.S. Congressman Mike Gallagher. We are joined by U.S. Congressman Mike Gallagher. Congressman, thank you so much for being with us. Happy to be with you. And I guess that uh, title there is key to your announcement that you are not, at this point, interested in running for the U.S. Senate, taking on Tammy Baldwin. Was it a tough decision? Why the decision? Well, it really boils down to the work that we're doing on the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party. I feel like it's unique. It's a mission that really excites me. It's we have this opportunity, which is rare in politics and certainly rare in the modern Congress, to forge lasting bipartisan consensus on the most important issue of our time, which is how we defend America from CCP aggression, how we restore deterrence, how we restore our strength. And, and that's just really, it, it energizes me. Um, I'm passionate about it. And I just feel like in politics, people can get carried away by the the title or the trappings of office, but it's really, it's all about the work. Um, you know, fame, fame is fleeting and politics is protean. Only good work really lasts. And right now I have this opportunity to do some good work. That's important for Northeast Wisconsin. And that's the other side of it. Um, I love Northeast Wisconsin. I love just kind of being out and about and learning from people here and connecting those two things together you know, connecting the concerns of everyday Wisconsinites here in my district to, you know, the, the, the big matters of national security and foreign policy. That's an intellectual challenge I, I really like. So it really boils down to I'm just really passionate about the mission I have right now in the House. And I feel like that's where I can best serve the district, the state, and the country for now. Would you be interested in being a U.S. Senator sometime in the future? I, I'm not even going to play that, that game. I'm solely focused on uh, the next two years and how I can best serve the country. Obviously, I'm, you know, I'm interested in public service. I wouldn't have ran for Congress seven years ago if that weren't the case. And I think public service will always be a part of my career, but I also don't think politics should be a career. Uh, you know, I, I think it should be a season of service. So I'm not looking that far down, down the road. And as we've talked about, you know, my main, my main effort is to, you know, uh, be a good husband, be a good father. Uh, and so that's that's what I'm trying to stay focused on. Well, even if you were wanted to run for Senate, you would not be able to participate in these committees, correct? Well, I think as a practical matter, you know, if you look at the demands of running for Senate in Wisconsin, a swing state, you know, where it's always close. I mean, it, it is it's a full time job. Uh, it's more than a full time job. And what I have right now with the Chinese Thomas Party Committee, uh, with the subcommittee on innovation, with, you know, just representing Northeast Wisconsin, that's also more than a full-time job. So I do think those are mutually exclusive. Uh, and in good conscience, you know, I, I don't want to um, – I, I couldn't devote the time necessary to one or the other. Uh, and so I, I feel like, the, the, you know, the, the committee I have right now is where I can best serve, serve the state because it is a massive commitment if you're going to ask the people of Wisconsin – uh, to be their standard bearer uh, when it comes to a statewide election. U.S. Congressman Mike Gallagher is with us on WTMJ in the district uh, as we speak to him. I'm going to ask you a couple questions about China coming up in a second, but first got to ask you about the big news on the national level. Donald Trump, the first ever uh, former president, indicted. Your reaction 
to that? Well, one, I don't even know they've unsealed the indictment yet. Which they, did. Is a, they, 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 oh, they did. They did. They did. Finally. Yep. Well, that's good because you're going to take a, an unprecedented move like this. You better bring unprecedented levels of transparency. You know, I really worry about this, John. I, I think uh, I think there's a couple things here. There's uh, the potential weaponization of the federal government against a former president and a current presidential candidate. And then there's the double standard. Obviously, we've had allegations of mishandling of classified information that uh, go back to Joe Biden. And I think there's a growing perception among the American people that there is a, a double standard. And there's been real clear abuses of power in recent years that have caused people to mistrust the government, i.e. Russiagate, i.e. the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story. So all those things, in my mind, conspire to make this a very dangerous precedent that and the last thing American politics needs right now is more chaos. So I'm really concerned about the ramifications of this, and I look forward to reading the unsealed indictment when it's available. Yep, I know you haven't had a chance because you've been in the district, so I want to move on to those China questions. Recent close calls with U.S. ships and airplanes. The video, Congressman, has been really chilling and unbelievable. Runs a risk for a high, a high risk for a miscalculation. How dangerous is the military situation becoming with China? Very dangerous. And here's what uh, I think is really concerning to me. This happened right as the Biden administration was trying to get a meeting with China's defense minister. Our secretary of defense was trying to meet with their defense minister at a conference in Singapore. And the Chinese Communist Party responded by saying, no, thank you. And then added insult to injury by sending these warships very near U.S. destroyers. So across the board, it seems like they're responding to the Biden administration's attempts to engage diplomatic, uh, diplomatically and economically with more aggression. So I think it's time to abandon this policy of zombie engagement, get tough across the board. There's practical things we need to do, such as preventing Chinese Communist Party entities from buying land near American military bases, rebuilding our military, rebuilding the Navy in particular making sure that American money isn't subsidizing the Chinese military. There are things we can do to get tough, and until we get tough, I fear the Chinese Communist Party is going to perceive our actions as weakness, and therefore we are going to get more aggressiveness across the world stage. And uh, Congressman Gallagher, as you now seem to be refocusing on uh, this work, uh, exploring the military threats, but also you perceive some economic threats from China. What are some of the top things you'll be focusing on in the next months? Well, what I alluded to before, American money, American capital, American investors continue to pour resources into China. And the problem with that is that we may be unwittingly subsidizing our own destruction, funding the Chinese military modernization efforts or funding technology efforts that are designed to perfect genocide. U.S. Congressman Mike Gallagher is the chairman of the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party. Congressman, thank you so much for being with us. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always good to have the congressman with us. It is 325. We will give you deeper perspective on the Donald Trump historic indictment. Brad Garrett is a former FBI agent and a contributor for A News. He's one of the really bright guys. Brad Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. One of the best parts about our Wisconsin summer is EAA Air Venture. I absolutely love it. It's special and magical every single year. Dick Nipinski is the Director of Communications for EAA, and he is with us this afternoon. Hey there, Dick. 
Oh, happy Friday to you, John. How's it going? Man, it's going great. I want to start by asking about that fly-in theater. I love this. It's such a cool thing, and the schedule's just been announced. Uh, Tell us, give us the scoop on the theater. Yeah, the fly-in theater is something we've had for almost 20 years now. Uh, After the air show, in the evening, around 8, 8.30 or so, uh, we have a five-story high movie screen. And if you're on the grounds that day, bring a lawn chair, bring a blanket, eat some free popcorn, and um, we have aviation movies. And many times they are introduced with people who were part of the movie, whether they flew the aircraft in the movie or have a connection with vintage aircraft. Sometimes the stars of the movie. We've had everybody from Harrison Ford to George Lucas there introducing movies at one time or another. And so we just introduced the lineup yesterday, and we've got everything. If you like Top Gun, yeah, we're showing that on July 22nd and 23rd. If you like Devotion from last fall, uh, we're showing that. If you like the great Waldo Pepper, yep, that's on one night. So it's a great way just to finish up the day here on the grounds at Air Venture up in Oshkosh. Dick, I love that you said free popcorn. I love that you said five-story screen. But I also love that you mentioned Harrison Ford, because this is one of those questions I wanted to ask you a couple weeks ago. I'd always heard and thought maybe it was just this urban legend that Harrison Ford regularly flies in and enjoys EAA as an aviator himself. Oh, he does. He, he enjoys it. You know, some some years he has to work. Okay, we understand that, you know, the man has to make a living. And uh, so he doesn't make it then, but uh, he comes, you know, probably every other year or so and uh, comes in. He he is an aviation nut like the rest of us here back in 2016. In fact, he was here to fly our two millionth young eagle in his own airplane. And he made that flight to a a young woman named Jody Gothrop, who is now at Purdue University and studying aviation. And so um, he is here. He loves flying, has a number of airplanes, and does it every time he can. That is so cool. Dick Nipinski is with us from EAA. I want to ask you this afternoon about Women Venture. This is a full week of really cool programming. It is. It's, uh, and we emphasize it, especially on July 26th, but throughout the week, Uh, Only about 8% of all the pilots in the U.S. are women. That's the number we want to get higher. And one way to do that is to bring women in aviation together as mentors, as those who can inspire others. And we'll do that. For instance, on July 26th, we have a former Air Force Thunderbirds pilot, Michelle. Her call sign is Mace Curran. And she'll be speaking at the Power Lunch uh, that time. And then the evening program, we're celebrating 30 years of women flying combat uh, Jeannie Levitt, Sharon Presler, Martha McSally, some of the early combat pilots in the U.S. military, plus some of today's pilots who are applying for the military uh, who have broken down those barriers and are now part of our armed forces and flying everything that the military has to offer as far as aviation. It's a great week. Every single summer, there's new stuff. There's stuff you're familiar with, and you can find it all at eaa.org. EAA.org. Dick Nepinski is the Director of Communication there. Thank you so much, Dick. Have a great weekend. You too. Always a pleasure. Thanks much. Earlier today, Donald Trump, 37 counts he faces now, and so does one of his former associates. Wanted to get some perspective. Brad Garrett, former FBI agent, ABC News contributor, is with us. Brad, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, happy to be here. This is unprecedented, to say the least. It's historic. Give us some perspective. How big a deal is this? Well, I think potentially it's, well, it's, it's obviously a big deal because it's a former president. Uh, he's the first former president 
to ever be federally indicted for anything, if I recall. So you start with that. But then you you sort of look at, you know, and I look at indictments may be different than lawyers do, only because I'm sort of looking for the behavior um, and the intent uh, in what the government is alleging. I mean, it's a lot of documents that cover defense and weapons capabilities, our nuclear program, as well as other uh, countries' nuclear programs, attack vulnerabilities, and all of these things you just can't have out in the public. I mean, if the wrong people get their hands on them, people could be killed. It also could compromise us if we went to, you know, it got into a fight with somebody, a battle with some other country. If they if they knew our vulnerabilities, they would exploit those. I mean, sort of it goes on and on. Yeah, capabilities, techniques, methods, sources that the CIA, FBI, NSA, fill in the blank, use. I mean, that's why this stuff is highly classified, and that's why it's always kept in such a highly classified environment. And, I mean, the idea that a lot of it was stored in a ballroom for a period of time where they were having parties. I mean, literally at the end of the ballroom. So it, it sort of goes on and on. Again, take President Trump out of the equation and just look at if anybody did what the government's alleging. I'm not sure they had any choice but to charge him. One of the things that jumps out at me as I looked at this and other similar cases throughout the day, Brad, was that prosecutors don't usually bring these cases unless there's a lot of fire where there's smoke. And, of course, he's innocent until proven guilty. But based on your experience, how strong does this case look? It it looks really strong. And if you look at it this way, you build a case because you can corroborate, cross-corroborate, triple, in his case, maybe triple and quadruple corroborate the stories. So in other words, you know, my sense is the following, obviously, I don't know, of CCTV in and around Mar-a-Lago, of interviews with people that work at Mar-a-Lago, and maybe also people that worked in the White House, that moved documents out of the White House to however they got to Florida, to the U.S. Secret Service. I mean, there's no indication, and I would certainly believe this, that they didn't know about these classified documents because they're not there for that. They're there to protect him. Um, and I, But I'm sure some of them were interviewed just because they're with him all the time. Some of these documents were apparently in his office at Mar-a-Lago, which they obviously would have been in uh, a number of times. So uh, all of the, if you combine interviews with CCTV, with former associates, former aides, and <clears> – <throat> You know, President Trump has just said things. I mean, he's admitted that he took them publicly on tape. So I I guess where I'm going here, there's a lot of corroboration as to what they have. And to your point, it does seem like a a pretty good case if, in fact, they would have to go to trial. And, you know, I'd be shocked if he doesn't make them go to trial. Well, yeah, given what we know about his character. So when lawyers for the former president met with him to discuss how to respond to a subpoena almost exactly a year ago, this is in the indictment. Trump is alleged to have said, I don't want anybody looking in those boxes. I don't want anybody looking through my boxes. I don't. I don't even want you looking through my boxes, he says to the lawyers. What if we just don't respond at all and don't play ball with them or just tell them we have nothing at all? I mean, the preponderance of stuff here is almost overwhelming, Brad. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, in my view, he just can't help himself. Uh, 
there's a lot of things we could talk the rest of the day about his personality. But the point being, he just he feels so entitled to the things around him, and that, and that when he was president, that he was entitled to look at these things. Well, and the answer, of course, is yes. But he's not entitled to keep them, and he's certainly not entitled to have them after he's president. Um, but in his mind, it, it's all the same. Like I was the president, and I had these documents, so I get to keep them. And then he brags about it to people. I mean, there there's discussions in this indictment about he even pulled some of those documents out in front of the media at some point and read it about, you know, an attack plan, a highly classified attack plan. I think they were probably like, wow, what's that doing here? Uh, but the point being, he he helps them make this case. So what happens to these documents next? So the FBI have them, obviously. They've been returned to the National Archives. They will then be, and, and I, I can guarantee you this has occurred, they're now in a secure facility stored, and only the people that can have access to them is that they have to go look at them in a secure space, sometimes in a skiff, which is, a, which is basically like a bubble you go into, no phones, uh, no, no communication devices at all, to read them. I mean, that's how highly classified some of this stuff is. Uh, so that's where it is. Uh, I, you know, my concern is, is, do they have all of it? I mean, if you go through this indictment, I mean, he put a lot of energy, he, the president, put a lot of energy into moving these documents around to obviously conceal them from the National Archives, then, then conceal them from the FBI, and then conceal them from his own attorneys and, and, and got them to certify that there were no other documents, knowing, because he just had Mr. Nada and other people that worked there, Move the documents. Crazy stuff. Brad Garrett, former FBI agent and ABC News contributor. Brad, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You're welcome. Take care.